You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 109 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me, uh, we're not quite in the kitchen studio this week, we are in another part of the PTUK headquarters. We've kind of taken over uh, one of the spare rooms in the house here at... Uh, at PTUK headquarters, because we're, yeah. the, the wife is cooking, so we thought she we'd is. leave her the, in the I think uh, I think you should show them the goodies, actually. Yeah, my, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he says, pardon the pun. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Just grab, here look we go. This. If I just grab this plate here. Oh, this I is, know. This is what, we were, at, what this. we're having this, this morning. Like, uh, I, I, do, I do like it when Gemma isn't working. Fresh this is sausage amazing. rolls. Oh, I know. I know. With puff pastry and... A little tomato sauce, yeah. tomato sauce dip. Look, I mean, we really are being spoilt here. Um, it's it's quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll join us in for episode 109, and uh, what's the date today? It's the 24th of April. It is. And the time is just coming up to quarter past 12 in the afternoon here in the UK. And, uh, well, so how, how is Matt? I take it you've got over your man flu uh, I have, issues. yes, absolutely. And, and big thanks again to the lovely Pip and Al who uh, filled in for me a bit because I was very much under the weather last week, it has to be said. We have had so much good feedback about <laughs> oh, last yeah, week's show. It for those of you absolutely. who haven't listened to last week's show yet, you need to uh, you need to go back either on YouTube or, or download the show and uh, and listen to that because uh, it, was, it was probably one of the most comedy yeah um yeah. well sort of genius um shows that we've, we've ever had i think and uh, uh, so far we haven't had any contact from any lawyers which i'm no quite which is quite about. good yeah, so, yeah absolutely it's yeah. a bit of a result yes anyway and i have this. Can, I, can i just say on that point oh, okay. captain al was on the last episode of apg oh was he and uh, i've got to say because he's in the chat room now captain yes. al was very very reserved was he? on the on the APG show. He was That's he was, fine. No, he can save it all for us. That's you could fine. almost yeah. see the halo <laughs> above his head. <laughs> well, well, our captain now. This yeah, the, the, the captain yeah, yeah. The, the captain Fli- Fli- flies for Royal Jet. He does one. Royal Jet. Yeah. Right. He, he oh, okay. was he was an absolute uh, angel on that show. So wow. So so uh, it just goes to show that you know he, it can be done. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done him. Uh, but uh, that was to say I'm quite happy for him to save all his, save all their bad behaviour for our show because yes. it was a lot of fun. It was the most fun. I've had in a long time, yeah. it has to be said. Anyway. Hello to everyone in the chat room, by the way, who's joined us this morning. Uh, loads and loads of people in the chat room. Dr. Steph's in the chat room. Captain Al is also in the chat room. Uh, Tony Kitchen, Jennifer, David Corston, Tony S, Evan Shu, Ray Davis. Uh, just scrolling to the top left. Uh, we've got Micah, main man Micah's in there as well. Excellent. Uh, Tony Kitchen, yeah, I'm just going, going up. Uh, Dr. Steph, I haven't missed anyone out. Philip Davis. Yeah. And there we go. Up to if I've missed anyone, I'm sorry. Uh, there, the there is one person. There is one person missing from our chat room yes. for a very good reason, and that is because the legend that is Pilot Pip is right in the middle of his marathon. Now I spoke to him about half nine this morning. That's UK time here, just before he started. We did a little test link to see how well, uh, see how well things were working, and it worked very well. So we're hoping uh, to catch up with him uh, as he reaches around about the twenty mile mark. Um, we're o- aiming, as I say, it's about, as I say. It's about quarter past 12 here in the UK. We're hoping to speak to him uh, as soon as we finish the commercial aviation yeah. stories. And we're going to talk to Pip live. So if you are watching on live, uh, watching like in YouTube, on 
if you are watching on YouTube live, uh, then uh, please do get your messages in for him that we can read out to him to give him a bit of support because obviously he can't do anything in the chat room. We have got some great feedback from from some people as well uh, to uh, to sort uh, to sort of cheer Pip along. But uh, anyway, back to the show. So first, then we have got some uh, f- some fresh uh, Patreon donators Ooh, to the Earl Grey Fund. Very exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. This, this this reminds me of this music reminds me of things I shouldn't know about. I know. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a family show. It is. So we yeah. have had some Patreon donators in this week. Some awesome people who have donated to the show, and we want to just give a special thank you to Andy Hopper. Uh, he's been a very generous uh, donator on Patreon. And also to Evan Shu as well, who is in the chat room. He is very, very kindly donated as well via Patreon to the show. For those of you uh, listening or who have already uh, donated, thank you very yeah, much as absolutely. well to all you guys. You know who you are. Yep. Um, but uh, as you all know, the Patreon donations go towards our hosting fees, yep. web fee, uh, fees, all our equipment fees, and also our trips that we've got planned for this year yeah, to all the various trips. air shows yeah. Yeah. around the UK. And we've also got a very big trip coming up soon as well, uh, which we're looking forward to, uh, which yeah. is uh, is very... Have you sorted out a date yet? It's, we're, yeah, the date's Ooh. been sorted out this week. So that's uh, exciting. going to be wait. exciting for definitely yeah yeah absolutely and, uh, and of course don't forget as i say we we have we have the patreon donators to thank for our sort of recent studio upgrades with regard to the video side of things yes. as well so uh, no seriously every every uh, donation is really really appreciated it helps us uh, well just tries to keep the cost down for you and me really because we do put our own money into this as well because we enjoy doing it we love um, it but the help is really appreciated anyway enough of this enough of that we're going to stop that music are, now before yeah. before everyone's get gets too chilled out <laughs> absolutely but yeah, we have yeah got a very 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 special guest with us on the show this week and uh, he's in a completely different time zone to us it's very early in the morning where he is and uh, he's a chap that you may have heard uh, very frequently on uh, the airplane geek show and also on apg he sends loads of feedback and some great stories into uh, the uh, geek show and uh, he's a voice that uh, I think everyone in the aviation uh, kind of uh, family network will know and love very well. And uh, we want to say a big welcome to the main man, Micah. Well, good morning from over here in the USA and the Eastern Seaboard. Fantastic. And how are things with you, Micah, on this early morning for you? Well, it is very early for me. Normally, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a very late night person and I'm uh, in bed all by the crack of three in the morning. So, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> ironically, what time I got home last night? But <laughs> <laughs> loving, loving the cap there, Micah. I can see What's the words. That? I can see the words "pilots" on the on the cap oh, there. It's the AOPA hat uh, that uh, a friend of mine sent to me as as a gift. So it's the the airline pilots uh, owners and operators association. Ah, oh, good. So, how have things been with you, Micah? Oh, everything good? Because you, you you were slightly ill. I was a bit under the weather yeah. with um, what I understand some people call the man flu, which is not a term oh, you hear in the in the U.S. Um, oh no, it's very serious. Was, uh, very, very serious. You, I mean, people have to be careful when when the word man flu is. But I mean, it is it is fatal to to certainly men here in the U.K. Uh, it's very serious. 
<laughs> I don't know. All I know is that last weekend at this time, the only thing that made me laugh was Plain Talking UK. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind. Yeah. yeah. And I blame Pip and, uh, and, and Captain Al for that. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, fantastic. No, thanks for joining us this morning, uh, Mike. It's very, very, we feel very privileged to have you on the show. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be invited, and thank you very much for having me. We've also got uh, someone in the chat room as well who's, who's miles away, Adam Knight, uh, over at the, um, the, Austra the Australian podcast. I can't think of their name, but now my m memory's just gone to mush. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, here we I know go. you will have listened to it during the week Yeah, as well. I do. Yeah. Go Flying Australia yeah, podcast. Yeah, Adam Knight is well in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he also does a podcast over in, uh, in Australia, though, which you should go and download and listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think we should get on with the show. We should do. Yeah, yeah. we definitely should do. So we are going to start the uh, show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the news from around the UK and the world. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I'm all good. And are you ready, Micah? I'm all set. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, then on the Crawley News uh, website, and uh, it's uh, an airline we talk about frequently on the show, Norwegian, and they're celebrating after reaching the milestone of 500,000 passengers at Gatwick Airport. Uh, so, the low-cost airline has celebrated hitting the milestone of taking 500,000 passengers to the USA and Caribbean from Gatwick Airport. And uh, the Norwegian uh, handed a pair of uh, free pair of premium tickets for any long haul flight to its 500,000th passenger at Gatwick as they boarded the flight to Boston last week. Norwegian first launched long haul flights from Gatwick Air Airport in July 2014, and the flights currently operate from Gatwick to New York, Los Angeles, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Boston, and Puerto Rico. A seventh destination, Oakland Air International Airport, which serves San Francisco as well as the neighbouring city of Oakland, will launch in May this year. So the airline uses the state-of-the-art Boeing 787 Dreamliners on their transatlantic flights to and from Gatwick. And if Matt can put a little, there's a pit little photograph there of uh, of some cheerleaders standing right next to the, there we go, to the uh, Dreamliner. Is that why you've chosen this picture? Not at all, no, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. The, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it. at the aircraft, man, yeah, as you know, you more than anything yeah. else. So no, that's great news. Definitely great news for Norwegian. A really, uh, really sort of, you know, moving, pressing ahead airline there. They're doing really uh, good things in uh, in yep. Europe. And um, they're also fares are, are quite cheap as well for their transatlantic flights. I've been looking at those and their, their fares are very, very reasonably priced. Fantastic. Um, plus you get the chance to fly on the Dreamliner, which is well, a and that, that, Well, and no, no other reason required is there really. Just a quick update, uh, our, our correspondent in the States who is following uh, Pip's progress for us, uh, we can report uh, that at around about an hour and a half into it, he's already done about 15K, so he's doing really well. Oh, well doing done, really, Pip. really well, yeah. Well absolutely. done. Anyway, yes, uh, back to the... Uh, the, the, the uh, task at hand and the next story uh, as you would expect is story number two always seems to be one of these and it is a Ryanair story it's my story is it is it uh, it's on the breaking travel news website and the headline is Ryanair launches Serbia 
flight. That's an unusual location mm. to, to fly to, certainly for Ryanair. Ryanair has launched its first Serbia flights with a new route from Niz to Berlin, commencing on the 4th of September, with a twice-weekly service. Ryanair claims the new Serbian operations will deliver one new route to Berlin, two weekly return flights to from Niz Airport, and uh, 30,000 customers each year. Ryanair's uh, Clara Ravara uh, said that Ryanair is pleased to announce our entry into the Serbian market from September 2016, our 32nd country with one new route to Berlin, Schoenfeld, which, um, is it Schoenfeld? I think so, anyway, which will deliver 30,000 customers annually. Serbian customers can look forward to Ryanair service improvements in the coming months, including new aircraft interiors, new uniforms, and more new routes under our Always Getting Better program. Oh, yes, as we continue to offer so much more than just the lowest flares. The, uh, the, to celebrate our new route, we are releasing seats from this to Berlin for 24 euros 99 cents that's really cheap isn't it less than 25 euros for travel in september to november which are available for booking from tomorrow until midnight wednesday the 27th uh, so you've missed uh, so you've got to wednesday if you want to uh, fly off to serbia uh, i'm sure it's a lovely part of the world actually mm. it is uh, it, look, i was just looking online actually about serbia yeah. and it's a, a kind of up and up and coming yeah. destination in uh, in europe to go and visit for sure is that anyway uh, have you been there micah no, I haven't. And I was actually going to ask, how does Ryanair choose its routes? Does it just find the places with the lowest landing fees and the passengers are <laughs> yeah. least likely to complain? You're probably yeah. right, Mike. Right, right on the money there, I fear. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. Cause if, if you look at Ryanair's, uh, their actual uh, destinations list, Mike, you'll, you, you, like you said, you've noticed that there's a lot of uh, obscure airports around Europe that you fly into. I mean, they do fly into some of the larger European mm. airports, but a lot of the airports they fly into are... Very, very small airports. Yeah. And quite often they're very, very long way away from where you want to be. I mean, this is this is the thing. But as, as I say, I think Mike is on the money there, isn't he? Because, you know, it's... it's uh because the landing fees aren't very expensive. It's probably why they'll never fly into Norwich. Because <laughs> they'll never fly into Norwich. <laughs> no, no, no way. They'll never fly. The, the landing fees are far too much money there. Yeah, absolutely. And on the subject of Norwich, our next story we're going to uh, give over to our host... Uh, Micah, so if you want to take this one. Yes, it seems that uh, Norwich Airports has, an, has announced that there's a new flight to Rhodes coming next summer. And the flight uh, to the island is going to be operated by Thompson and First Choice and coincides with the increased capacity to, uh, is it Mallorca? Is that how it's pronounced? Mallorca, I'm not yeah. very good with that. Um, and uh, the routes went on sale today for the summer of 2017 holiday program and it was launched and it uh, it looks like that they're adding more capacity from Norwich airport and the introduction of the new route to roads demonstrates their commitment to the airport and to the local area um, so Richard Pace a general manager at Norwich said that uh, it's great news for holiday makers looking for even more choices from Norwich airport and being able to draw travel to a wider range of destinations and top hotels from so close to home will be welcomed by people across the region which is and our region re yeah well, carry on, Mike. no it is our region yeah carry on Micah <laughs> sorry yeah no and, and and I guess that adds to uh, year-round flights now that you can get from Norwich to uh, Malaga and uh, Alicante which I'm sure I mispronounced completely no, 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 no spot on, on. No spot spot on, on yeah. now yeah spot on them 
Well done, Mikey. You've done, you done very well there. His pronunciations are better than mine, and I live here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, but, no, it's fantastic. I mean, it's great. It's great. I, 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 I say this time and time again, though. I'd love to fly out to Norwich all the time, or fly out of Norwich all the time, because it is, from where we are, just to give um, Mike around our listeners an idea of where we are, it's about 17 miles from us, isn't it? Norwich yeah, it's not far. So we're, we're right in the east coast, basically, east coast of, of the United Kingdom. And uh, it's a Great really, really reporting as well from, the, from our local paper here, the oh, Eastern no. Daily Press. Really? They've got the. Uh, they've obviously they're talking about these new flights then that are going to be served Thompson. Uh, with yeah. by Thompson at <laughs> first choice, and the uh, file photo they've used has got Flyby aircraft in. So that's always uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, one, of, the, one yeah. of those things we talk about quite often. Yeah, over, yes, uh, and, dodgy yeah. photographs essentially. Yeah. It's the only photograph of Norwich Airport they had on file. I think, I th- I think actually, Mikey, you 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 guys across in the states now you have a similar sort of uh, uh, problems with with um, with news and media that we do here in the UK, where you get uh, stories that. Uh, uh, of uh, uh, that kind of come out with the, either the wrong uh, photos or the the wrong descriptions and stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, oftentimes it'll be airplane crash, and they're talking about a, a little Cessna 152 that had an emergency landing on the highway, and they show a picture of a 737 right. going yeah. down. You know, you <laughs> yeah, can't yeah, quite yeah. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had some great feedback from Neville, didn't we? Uh, about, we did, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. About exactly that same thing. It's just, it's bizarre, isn't it? Well, it wouldn't really be that difficult to. to there are so many people out there that uh, that know, uh, you know, a lot more about aviation. It wouldn't take them much to just check something, would it? It just quite a quick tweet to someone, you know. Oh, and it always amazes me because it's always an airplane crashed, and it's never, hardly ever a crash. Oftentimes, it might be an emergency landing, and sometimes it's not even an emergency landing. The pilot never declared an emergency. It's just, okay, we may have a brake issue here. Let's, you know, take it easy. You know, be alert. Yeah, let's Very play true. safe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, honestly. You've got a lot of media. But I wanted to ask a question about the last story because uh, Thompson and First Choice are two airlines that I haven't heard of. Are they low-cost carriers over there in the UK? Uh, are they uh, as low-cost as Ryan, or are they more major? No, Thompson, uh, Thompson and First Choice are kind of like they're um, they've got their well, they're, uh, Thompson are owned by TUI. Uh, which I don't know if you've heard of TUI. They're kind of a, a massive. Um, they're sort of a holiday company. Holiday company in general, company in general yeah. yeah. Uh, that, which I think they're based in over in Germany. Uh, but TUI, who uh, who own Thompson, the actual airline and stuff, yeah. they do a kind of package deal type of thing, Michael, where you can like buy a holiday uh, from Thompson, and it comes as a package. So you get your, your hotel and your flight and everything in one one complete uh, you know price. And having their own airline as well helps quite a lot as well. Having first choices, which is part of the same group, and um, but they've got uh, they've got quite a good fleet actually, mm. um, uh, Michael. They've got Dreamliners and they've also got some old seven six sevens as well, which which they use. And they've got quite a large fleet of uh, the eight hundred series seven three sevens, which uh, Thompson use for a lot of the European flights around here. So there we so go. They're, they're you would rate their service above uh, some of the uh, low-cost carriers that we oh, have here, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, or, yeah. or, or EasyJet oh, yeah. or Ryanair over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Thompson. Thompson, you tend to get, you know, you, you get the you know, the the um, uh, yeah, in-flight in entertainment stuff and that mm. with a Thompson flight, yeah. which you don't obviously with Ryanair yeah. or EasyJet. You get stale sandwiches. The service, the service levels are, are slightly higher, Mike. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that bit, but they are they they can be if you hit them at the right time. They can be as cheap as uh, as one of the low cost carriers like EasyJet or Ryanair. You've flown with them a couple of times. Yeah, you? Thompson. Yeah. They're a very nice airline. Very nice yeah. airline. Anyway, on to the next story. So next story, Ooh. and it's uh, it's a low cost carrier story actually, and uh, it's uh, EasyJet uh, to recruit 450 pilots 
So EasyJet has announced plans to recruit more than 450 brand new pilots. Uh, positions available range from cadet pilots uh, starting their career to in, uh, in experience or experienced co-pilots from other airlines and direct entry captains. There's also opportunity for more than 140 of the low-cost uh, airlines' current first officers to be promoted to captains. Uh, of the 450 positions, 400 will be cadet pilots and experienced co-pilots and 50 direct entry captains. EasyJet said successful applicants will be offered positions across all of the EasyJet's 28 European bases and provide access to high quality training and a range of career development opportunities. For new cadets undertaking the training with CTC Aviation uh, or CAE or FTE Jerez, there will be the opportunity to apply for all or part of their training loan between 30 to 100,000 pounds underwritten by the airline. Following the launch of the, the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative to help encourage more women to train for a career as uh, a commercial airline pilot, EasyJet plans to see women take up to 12% of its new pilot intake over the next two years. It will underwrite the full training loan of, uh, of six female uh, new entrant pilots. Captain Brian Tyrrell said, uh, EasyJet's head of flight oper uh, operations, he said that uh, they're very pleased to uh, have opened recruitment for more than 450 new EasyJet pilot positions. And uh, if you go to the link, which is on the Travel Mall website for this, if you're uh, if you're uh, a lot young, considerably younger than me and Matt, right, <laughs> you can uh, click on the link here and apply for uh, one of these um, applications for EasyJet to become a pilot there, ah. uh, which is on the uh, on the uh, link there. So that's good. So just tri <laughs> nip over to the Travel Mall site and. Yeah. Uh, and get yourself uh, a, uh, yeah. a position Incidentally, there. Adam says we're far too picky when it comes to our low-cost carriers. He rates. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. I, I think he's teasing. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, uh, on to the next story. Uh, this is uh, Flight Global is the website, and the headline is Fly Dubai Crash. Stabilizer shift commanded from yoke trim switch. Now, somebody's going to have to translate this story for me because I am a humble layman. But anyway, we'll press on. R Russian investigators, everyone listening in the chat room, please... Uh, pick out the holes in, in the mess that I'm about to make. Uh, Russian <laughs> investigators have revealed that substantial nose-down trim on the crashed Fly Dubai Boeing 737-800 was applied through the manual trim switches on the pilot's control column. The inquiry into the 19th of March accident as at Rostov-on-Don had already disclosed that the aircraft had been subject to a nose-down control yoke input at a height of 900 meters, that's 2,950 feet, while executing a go-around. It had also stated that the stabilizer had undergone a simultaneous five-degree shift towards a nose-down altitude. But an updated analysis of the Interstate Aviation Committee said that the stabilizer movement coincided with an input from the stabilizer trim switches on the control column used to shift the stabilizer and trim the aircraft manually. That when uh, sorry, used to shift the stabilizer and trim uh, when the the aircraft is to move the aircraft. Sorry, when it is in autopilot and the autopilot is not active. This switch input lasted for 12 seconds according to flight data recorder information while the cockpit voice recorder also picked up the noise of the manual trim wheels located in the centre pedestal rotating. The substantial nose down altitude <coughs> commanded by the yoke movement and the stabiliser trim caused the aircraft to pitch sharply into a steep dive from which it failed to recover. Flight uh, Foxtrot Zulu 981 
uh, crew had conducted a successful missed approach to uh, Rostov uh, some two hours earlier, aborting after a wind shear warning. The aircraft entered a long holding pattern before attempting its second approach, during which it carried out its fatal go-around. The Interstate Aviation Committee says that both approaches had been conducted with autopilot and autothrottle disengaged. It states that a sudden 20-knot increase <coughs> excuse me, in airspeed uh, to 176 knots during the second approach could have pointed to another wind shear encounter and might have pr- prompted the go-around. As the pilots aborted the second approach, they set a maximum takeoff thrust of around about 101 to 102% of N1 and climbed at a rate of around about 3,900 feet per minute. The crew set 15 degrees of flap and retracted the landing gear. As the 737 climbed through 600 metres, that's 1,970 feet, with nose-up pitch of 18 degrees, the pilot pushed forward on the control column, which increased the aircraft speed to more than 200 knots and caused an automatic partial retraction of the flaps to 10 degrees. Subsequent nose-up control column input led the aircraft to continue climbing at 3,150 feet per minute until it reached 900 metres when the uh, nose-down command and nose-down trim input pushed the jet into its final dive. Investigators state that the aircraft took off from Dubai with a weight of 68 tonnes and a 17.3% centre of gravity and weather forecast both for Rostov and the alternatives of uh, Krasnodar is it Krasnodar? I'm not sure. Krasnodar um, and Volga. I'm not very good with my Volograd. Volograd uh, were not inhibitory, adding the crew took a justified decision to depart. No details have been released on the crew's rest and duty records, but the Interstate Aviation Committee says that the continuing invest- investigative work will include assessment of the pilot's psycho-emotional and physiological state. There's quite a lot of numbers in there that mean absolutely nothing (laughs) to me, Um, but I'm hoping that everyone else um, uh, will... uh, so basically then, so just just before we kick off, just to let everyone know, uh, Pilot Pip is currently running across the uh, London Bridge. Oh, wow. According to the tracking app we have for Pip, uh, for the yeah. London uh, London Marathon. He's, Making good uh, just, progress. Just crossing the River, River Thames. So um, on this story then, you're, you've been, you're talking of the, the stabiliser. So on that, for those of you who, who may not know, some of you might know, uh, a lot of the, the people in the chat room will know this, especially uh, Dr. Steph and stuff who are pilots as well, but uh, most people will know, you've got uh, stabilisers on an aircraft mat at the rear. Right. Uh, you've got your vertical stabiliser. You know the, the rudder on the rear of the aircraft mat? So you've got yep. the rudder at the back. So on on the back of the rudder, you've got the vertical stabilizer. That's the vertical stabilizer which the rudder is attached yeah. to, which controls obviously your your movement left and right. So your uh, horizontal stabilizer is at the back of the aircraft, which okay. is the horizontal parts. That's kind of the small. To put it in uh, easy terms, there's the small wings each side at the back okay. of the aircraft. They're the horizontal stabilizers, and um, on those, even with the aircraft eye fly, you have trim tabs. Okay. And as you're flying along and you're holding your aircraft steady, you can uh, adjust the trim to keep your aircraft flying, and you can take your hands off and carry right. on flying nice and level. That and sounds straight. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, this on the story here, they've said here that the, the, you know these uh, that it was trimmed uh, in, in well, it's trimmed down to go you know to descend the aircraft. Mm. It was trimmed down, which was uh, kind of worrying um, mm. um, prospect there if you're a pilot if you're not realise you're doing this. Um, 
But, I think, uh, I think uh, worth we, mentioning, they're saying in the chat room here, uh, I, I think uh, Jen has put, uh, I thought um, someone said that, um, that um, uh, she said, someone said, or maybe I read that perhaps one of the pilots got disorientated and thought they were climbing too quickly. A couple of other people in the chat room have actually collaborated, sort of collaborated with that. Yeah. Um, so, as I say, I, I don't know. I guess we need to wait till we get the final figures. Um, do you know much about this story now? Yeah. Have you have yeah. you heard much about this across uh, across the pond there, Micah? I've heard of the story, and and basically, you know, a lot of what I heard when when Matt was reading it and reading along with him, it sounds like I don't understand why he was in such a nose down trim to begin with, but it sounded like when he uh, climbed, it retracted the flaps a bit automatically, and that put him into a, another downward uh, slope, and it uh, like he porpoised right down and, and right in, lost control at that point because of that nose down pitch and and that speeding up the climb that retracted the flaps. Is is did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I mean, yeah, ironically, when you when you when you say it like that, it actually makes a lot more sense. To be <coughs> honest with you, it makes a lot more sense than it does that it did reading out the story. As I say, that's the only trouble. I'm not I'm not very good on my numbers and that, um, but um, I mean something something. I mean, if you you probably saw the uh, you saw the videos, I expect, Mike, didn't you? Or on um, oh yeah, on, on the social media and and the news mm. and stuff. Sure, it? the aircraft came down yeah. at, at such a such an angle and speed. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know the the fo- obviously the pictures that we saw on uh, the various news stations, including Aviation Herald, and that you know the the aircraft was just well, it was a mess. It was, there was not very many large parts of the aircraft uh, left. But they have uh, I've, I have seen I think it's on the Aviation Herald, Mike. If you go on there, they, they have actually in a hangar uh, mm-hmm. kind of pieced together on the ground, you know, the, the various parts that they've found to uh, try and recreate as best they can the aircraft you know, as a pattern on the ground mm. as such. Yeah, I wish that, uh, that that Milo were here, actually, because she's uh, flown 737s and could maybe, you know, tell us a little bit more about why it was in, why it might have been in such a steep nose-down trim, because that's pretty deep for coming in for landing. I don't think you, you, you I mean, you, you even with the, the 150 that you fly, Matt, you, you don't nose-down that much in, in the trim, do you? No, no, no I, Matt. Do you fly? Oh, no, I don't. Fly, no. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no. sorry, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> sorry. He wants to come up with me. Don't worry. No, don't he panic. doesn't. He no. Does. <laughs> no, I, I, I have to say, I use trim, trim quite a lot when I'm flying the aircraft um, myself, uh, because nine times out of ten, it's very windy here. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. you kind of have to you do you do trim the aircraft. Uh, you know, on the climb out and stuff, which I do, and, and cruise, I use the trim to, you know, to trim the aircraft. So, I mean, what, what do we think actually caused? I mean, what, based on the on the statistics and the numbers that we just read out, I mean, uh, I don't know. Is it pilot error or is it just a? Just I think a, I think a combination word, of factors. Or, I think the word that, I mean? that Matt's thinking about, Micah, is going to be CRM. Do you agree, Micah? It definitely could be cockpit resource management. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But the the point is, and this is one of the things, I, in fact, I, I re- did a piece on this for the Airplane Geeks a long, long time ago. We don't know yet, and we can't be making assumptions yeah, about exactly. it. No, there are a lot of questions yeah, no, to ask, but we don't know what the answers are, and let's no. let the facts explain themselves to us. We have great yeah. investigators that are going to tell us exactly what we happened. Do. It may yeah. be a year, it may be two years, but we will know exactly what took place. Exactly. We'll, we'll definitely get the, the, the details at some point, hopefully. Anyway, so, on to on. the next story, yes. And uh, the next story is, this is uh, all yours, Micah. Well, it seems that uh, Garuda Indonesia is taking 14 Airbus A330neo twin jets in place of their order of uh, seven A330-300s that they cancelled. So instead of taking seven A330-300s, they're going to take 14 Airbus A330neos. A decision confirms that the airline... 
the airline's previously disclosed intention to opt for the re-engine type, and Airbus revealed the order of for 14 A330neo uh, 900neo jets uh, for an undisclosed customer at the beginning of the year, and I guess finally it's disclosed. It's Garuda Indonesia. Uh, the airframer, which is Airbus, says that uh, Garuda will start receiving the A330neos from 2019, and it confirms that the deal replaces and extends its previous A330 order. And Garuda's chief exec, Arif Wibowo, I hope I pronounced that right, and if I didn't, I apologize, Mr. Wibowo. He says that the A330neo, which will be powered by the Rolls-Royce Trent 7000 engines, represents a more efficient future for the airline. And what I find most interesting about that story is that it says that the A330neo will be powered by Rolls-Royce Trent 7000 engines, which is absolutely true. But the fact is, there's no one's other engine available for the A330neo. They're all Rolls-Royce Trent 7000 <laughs> engines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but a great outfit. Uh, they, 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 I mean, they're awesome uh, aircraft with the uh, Neo engines on. Have you seen the photographs that we had? I think it was last, last week when they showed the, um, the A320 Neo with those new engines on and the engines are just huge you know compared to the um size i mean the oh, the the actual fuselage the aircraft is bigger but compared to the old engines that used to be on the 320 these ones are huge on the uh, on there but obviously with the 330 this is a long range aircraft yeah. a twin aisle aircraft um so i think that'll be quite quite nicely matched with the uh, with it, especially with these Rolls-Royce Trent 7000s mm. Because um, I've actually st I've stood next to one of the old, if you remember the old uh, RB211 engines, uh, Micah, what used to power the uh, 7.6 and the TriStar. Hello? I'm here. Oh, yeah, you're sorry there. Uh, yeah, I stood close to one of these at uh, our uh, museum here at Duxford at the Aviation Museum here at Duxford, and those uh, those engines are huge. I mean, they're quite an old engine now, but uh, these, these Trent 7000s, I'd love to see one of these close up and just uh, just to experience how, how, how what size of engine this mm. is. Oh, I would love to see one. In fact, one of my uh, regrets is that back when, uh, when Max Flight from the Airplane Geeks was working for Pratt & Whitney, mm -hmm. I never got a chance to visit him at work because I always wanted to get my picture taken inside, <laughs> standing inside, standing straight up in one of the Pratt & Whitney engines. Yeah, I bet. I've seen there's pictures like that on uh, on that on social media and stuff like that of yeah. um, uh, cabin attendants and stuff, flight attendants standing in the inside the really? engine, you know, engine wow. the cells of, an, of old school pictures from from the yeah. sort of late seventies and that, which look quite smart. Gosh. Yeah. So moving on yep. to our next story, and uh, this one is on the Evening Standard website. Evening Standard. And yeah. uh, this is P a, a Pitt story. Pick us one up while he's in London. He could go. Yeah. <laughs> he can get on on his run round yes um, this one uh, is a story that we covered I think we covered last week about the uh, the suspected drone hitting the BA Pips halfway British by Airways. the way oh Pips halfway yeah, is he? Get, you, get you halfway round on the marathon show off so the headline drone that hit British Airways jet above Heathrow airport could be a plastic bag oh good right <laughs> so the story then, a suspected drone that struck a British Airways jet as it prepared to land at Heathrow Airport could have been a plastic bag, a minister has said. Transport Minister Robert Goodwill admitted the uh, object that hit the passenger plane uh, had not been confirmed as a remote control device. On Sunday, a pilot on a BA flight from Geneva told the uh, police that the aircraft was travelling at around 1,700 feet when uh, the front of the plane was struck. Police Air and the Accidents Investigation Branch are investigating it and uh, also last week in the front of the House of Commons 
the Lords Committee, Mr Goodwill cautioned against overreacting to the incident following safety fears and calls for the government to tighten legislation against the use of drones. He said that the reported drone strike on Sunday has not been confirmed and it was actually a, uh, that it was actually a drone. Uh, it was the local police force that had tweeted that they had reported a, a drone striking an aircraft. And indeed, the early reports of a dent in the front of the plane were not confirmed and that there was no actual damage to the aircraft and uh, there is indeed some speculation that it may have been a plastic bag or something. Uh, they've... Um, Although he's not actually landed a 747 at Heathrow, but he landed a simulator and the pilot has a lot of other things to concentrate on, so they're not quite sure uh, that the pilots are 100% sure of what they saw, which right. I've read on yeah. other reports as well. Uh, but you've the got story so much continues. going on. I mean, you've got so much going on, haven't you? I mean, it's hardly a, a surprise, really. I mean, it's just... It's this the drone things is getting, but for a for a plastic bag at one thousand seven hundred feet, I mean that's that's yeah, fairly it's quite good. an updraft, isn't that's it? That's fairly <laughs> good, uh, a fairly good height uh, for a, for a plastic bag, don't you think, Micah? <laughs> oh, I think it's amazing. But what's really uh, interesting about it is I'm I'm a subscriber to two uh, pretty much they used to be my teenage magazines, Popular Mechanics and Popular Science, and I can't remember which one I read read it in this month, but they were instructions on how to make a hot air balloon out of a dry cleaning bag wow. uh, by putting a little lighted um, uh, device in there yeah. and, and how it flies forever and it looks beautiful at night, etc. and so on. And so I'm wondering, because it happened right about the same time, if somebody read this magazine article and said, yeah. oh wow, let's do this, Dad and, and Father and Son went out and said, oh what a great project and, and yeah. put this together and all of a sudden, uh oh, we got a problem we here. We got a problem, absolutely. Flies into flies into the the path of an oncoming <laughs> jet, yeah. But uh, so we, we we've got uh, in the interests of public safety broadcasting, uh, we do actually have a little uh, in, information film uh, that we're going to play out for you now. It's only about just over a minute long, so it's not too bad. Uh, but it's been released by the CAA, so uh, we're just going to play that out for you right now. Congratulations on your purchase of an unmanned aircraft. I'm sure you're dying to fly it, but before you do, please be aware of a few rules. You are legally responsible for the safe conduct of each flight, and failure to follow the rules could lead to criminal prosecution. Check your aircraft for damage before each flight to make sure that everything is working in accordance with the supplier's user manual. When flying, you must keep the aircraft within your sight at all times. You are responsible for avoiding collisions with other people or objects, including aircraft. Do not fly your unmanned aircraft in a way that could endanger people or property. It is illegal to fly your unmanned aircraft over a congested area, such as streets, towns and cities. Also, stay well clear of airports and airfields. Don't fly your unmanned aircraft within 50 meters of a person, vehicle, building or structure or overhead groups of people at any height. Think about what you do with any images you obtain as you may breach privacy laws. Details on that are available from the Information Commissioner's Office at ico.org.uk. If you intend to use an unmanned aircraft for any kind of commercial activity, you must get what is called a permission from the CAA or you could face prosecution. For details, please visit www.caa.co.uk forward slash UAS. So that's it. Fly safe and have fun with your amazing unmanned aircraft. So there we go. A little video there for, uh, 
for those of you all in the interests of public service broadcasting you understand exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> absolutely did you did you enjoy that Micah? oh it's so english <laughs> Oh, it was it was absolutely beautiful. I couldn't hear it, but it was a great cartoon. <laughs> absolutely, uh, it, it, I can only describe as the most British voiceover I think I've heard in a, in many a year. But uh, yeah, no. Anyway, so uh, there we are. That's our bit for the. That's the, our bit for you know public service broadcasting. Just quickly in uh, in the chat room, uh, Lisboa Nelson uh, has just uh, mentioned in the chat room uh, to mention the Solar Two, and uh, they have reached uh, mainland USA, San Francisco. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, that's the, that's the. Um, the solar-powered aircraft, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, cool, yeah, yes. very cool, very cool. It is absolutely. What's uh, the next story? Yeah, the next story. Uh, this would be mine, and uh, mainly because it involves a low-cost airline. It seems uh, this is on the BBC News website. Uh, Jersey is the location, and the headline is "Fly Me Sorry for Baggage Charge Confusion." Uh, so, uh, sorry, I'm getting lots of weird pop-ups here. So, uh, passengers flying to Jersey from Southampton have been charged an additional £40 after Flybe failed to notify them of a baggage rule change. The company has decreased the size of cabin bags from 55 by 40 by 23 centimetres to 55 by 35 by 20 centimetres with effect from the 1st of April. However, it admitted that some customers might not have been aware of the new regulations because of a technical issue with its mobile app. It has apologised and said that it is working to rectify the issue. Uh, Flybee said that the change was in line with the International Air Transport Association Cabin Baggage Initiative published in June last year. There is uh, the possibility that some customers might not have been aware of the implemented change uh, that we have slowly been phasing in since the beginning of the month. The statement said we would like to apologise sincerely for the confusion and we will be taking immediate steps to rectify the situation. Passenger Samantha Body, who works in the UK but regularly returns to her family home in Trinity, said that she intends to write to Flybeat for a refund. Not good then, really. No, indeed, a bit of a bit of a, a faux pas. Faux pas then, there. I mean, what, what what are the uh, in the states? What are the uh, bag baggage allowances, sort of like hand hand luggage wise? I mean, it, have they changed much, uh, Micah? Funny you should ask, because this is a story that really annoys me. I'm actually in the process of shopping for a bag. Oh, and it varies from airline to airline to airline, and. You never know. I mean, they just took two inches off that bag when you when you when you convert it over. Uh, actually, two inches in one direction and one inch in another direction. Yeah. So if I go out someplace uh, and, and go to a nice luggage store and I pick up a nice carry-on bag that I know that's going to last me for many many years, yeah. and you know when I shop for a bag like that, I want something like that, and spend close to two hundred and fifty three hundred dollars on it, and all of a sudden the airline changes their rules and I got to buy a different bag for every airline I go on, and it's yeah. different from airline to airline. Yeah, absolutely. In fact. They're saying in the chat room here, uh, certainly between uh, David uh, and Graham, he's saying, can we have a standard, Graham was saying, can we have a standardised bag size for carry-on by all airlines? It doesn't seem like that a diff- that that's a difficult idea to, to put into place. I mean, that, that'd certainly save a lot of this confusion if uh, everybody, all airlines agreed that the universal bag size is such and such and, and, and you know, everybody then sticks to it. I mean, surely that's not beyond the wit of man, is it? Mm. It seems a bit a bit bizarre to me. I remember even before all these baggage fees and things, when I would always bring a carry-on on with me, and, and sometimes I was told, that's not going to fit in the overhead bin. And I would explain, well, it's funny. I just got off the exact same plane, and it fit just perfectly. How come you're telling me I can't get onto this plane with it? And it was the exact same plane, the exact same airline. And 
you know, it would drive me crazy. It seemed like they were, oftentimes they were looking to prevent someone from doing a carry-on. And this was before there were charges to check the bag. So I, I, I don't understand the whole system sometimes. Do you have, uh, for, for the, some of the carriers over there in the States, uh, Michael, do you have those kind of those framework metal things that you drop the uh, suitcase into to make sure that it's the right size? Uh, they do have them at some airports, and at some airports they don't. And then, you know, when you're spying some of the smaller aircraft, the CRJs and whatever, they, they don't have the the luggage racks inside anyway, and you end up gate-checking the bag for free. Really? Ah, uh, uh, right, yeah. I, 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 mind you, I had to do that, or they were trying to get me to do that with Ryanair once, because uh, yeah. I was sort of, sort of further down the queue, if you like, uh, and they, they sort of worked out there wasn't going to be enough room for everybody's baggage in, in, in the overhead bins, and so I ended up having to put my suitcase uh, in the hold uh, for, for free of charge, just because, you know... Yeah, we, just... we had that flying back from Vegas uh, with our first legs from Vegas to uh, Minneapolis with Delta, yeah. and that was on a 737-900, and right. the, the aircraft was massively, massively packed to capacity, and uh, they wanted me to put my um, hand luggage in, in the checked, you know, in the, in the hold, and I just yeah. said... Um, with all the recording equipment and the camera stuff in here, um, no, that's staying <laughs> no. with me. <laughs> Not happening. Not yes. happening. Yeah. And Jennifer mentioned in the chat room that a while ago there was a uh, push to standardize carry-ons within uh, within the U.S., at least with the major carriers. Yeah. And uh, they were going to come out with a bag that was going to be labeled that was acceptable by all carriers. And there was pushback about it, as she said. People yeah. were very upset. They already had their bags. And, of course, many people have their bags and they, they yeah. enjoy their luggage. And uh, and so they you know would have to buy a sticker to get it certified or this, that yeah. or the other. And, and so it's just, it's just a little crazy. I, I don't understand there's just not that much of an issue sometimes with most of the bags that you buy that are labeled as carry-on they're going to fit you might not be able to fit as many of them but then that's the then airline issue because they're charging for check bag i'd rather see them charge almost for carry-ons and let you check yeah. the bag for free to leave more space on the cabin yeah but how many how many times though mike have you stood in the queue at a check-in desk at an airport and there's been someone with a hand luggage suitcase or bag in front of you that, that looks about 16,000 times too, <laughs> too big yeah. to even fit in, in, a, in a C-17, let alone a, an overhead bin. Right, that weighs 30 kilos, and they're <laughs> yeah. not going to let you take it with you. <laughs> what a surprise, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that loads of times. I hate that when you see it. And you, you know, you're, you've, you've been the person who sit there, and, and you know, you've got the correct size yeah, hand luggage yeah. bag. You've checked it all at home. You've weighed it. Home, and you've weighed it. Yeah, yeah. And then the person in front of you has, has quite blatantly got a huge bag, and, and they don't get stopped. And what's really fun, the, the last time uh, I, I flew from uh, West Palm Beach in Florida, which is a, uh, a major tourist destination and a destination of, um, of many uh, gray hairs, uh, there are oftentimes these uh, older, um, very, very small and frail women with this huge carry-on that was bigger than them. And not only couldn't they get it on in the, into the carry-on space on top, but they would try to, even though they knew they couldn't get it up there on their own, when they, they would try to pull it down, and it would like, one almost landed on my head, and they, they, it was just wow. terrible. Try because they're in such a rush to get off the plane. I don't understand the rush sometimes. Yeah, uh, Graham, I, I never do. Yeah, you know, uh, Graham's just saying in the chat room here. He's saying the variation in rules for extra allowable carry-on, e.g., separate camera bags or an extra bag from duty free, is also very annoying. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I agree. Very true. I agree. I agree. Anyway, we could talk about this story forever and ever. Amen. Um, but uh, we probably shouldn't. So, uh, so and, what? And we already have. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> indeed, absolutely, quite right. So uh, the uh, the uh, third or the third from last story on this week's show on um, the. 
on Flight Global site and uh, A350 thrust reverses modified after lock floor. So Airbus has modified the uh, thrust reverser ac uh, reverse actuation system of uh, production A350-900s after a failure of a locking mechanism uh, on an in-service aircraft. Uh, the locking actuator was removed from the jet after uh, several failure messages and investigators have found that it failed a primary lock integrity test, uh, says the European Aviation Safety Agency. Uh, EASA states that the uh, component that can be affected by internal contamination from carbon dust, that, uh, that this can have an effect on retention capability of the actuator. Uh, the A350 thrust reversers uh, use a translating sleeve design, and the sleeve uh, uses three retention mechanisms. EASA says that two of these can potentially be affected by the problem, which would uh, leave only the third system uh, lock employing a different design for retention. It notes that there is a theoretical risk of in-flight deployment of a reverser translating sleeve, uh, should the third lock fail and the master minimum equipment list for the type has been amended to declare any thrust reverser lock failure as a no-go item, uh, preventing dispatch of the aircraft. Airbus has introduced uh, a new thrust reverser actuation system standard in its 350 production and after components manufacturer <coughs> corrected the problem and EASA has ordered uh, in service A350s to be modified to the same standard within 750 cycles since the first flight. So this is a bit of, uh, uh, well, worrying news, but I think uh, Airbus mm. have got on top of this uh, issue with the 350, yeah. uh, with the engines on this, which uh, is, is a good thing, really, to, you know, to get these problems sorted, mm. because this is a relatively new aircraft, as we all know, the 350, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it came into service a lot with a lot more ease than what mm. the uh, Dreamliner did. Yeah. Have you uh, had a chance to, uh, to look or to uh, see one of these yet, uh Micah or Evan? No, I haven't, and I really do want to. I love the look of it. I love the uh, the, the the raccoon eye style cockpit. It's just a really uh, a attractive uh, Airbus. I, I and I really uh, hope to see one sometime soon. But you know, I, I this was when I saw this article this morning. It was new to me, and uh, it doesn't surprise me that there's going to be a glitch. There's always going to be glitches in new aircraft designs, and you find them as they go, and there's always a way to uh, work on them and make sure that they're safe. And I have uh, no concern over the safety of the aircraft and would, you know, fly on one at any time. It's 787-2 for that matter. Exactly. They're, 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 it, well, I mean, we can't say that the Boeing didn't have the troubles with the Dreamliner when that was uh, brought online, because they did. They had their uh, share of mm. troubles with yeah. that when the aircraft... Batteries, but, uh, Batteries, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, this is this is an engine issue. But uh, they'll, yeah. they'll, it'll be sorted, and things will be back to normal afterwards, <laughs> I'd imagine. So next story, I'll uh, see uh, on the Telegraph site. This is yours, Matt. Yeah, yeah. This, as I say, this is on the this is a UK newspaper. It's the Telegraph, and it's a bit of a follow-up, really. Actually, it is. Yeah, urgent repairs ordered on Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliner engines. Uh, so it, it is. Airlines have been ordered to carry out an urgent fix on one hundred and seventy six Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliners because of an engine icing problem. The instruction has been given by the Federal Aviation Administration Authority in the US and follows an incident on the 29th of January when one of the two engines of a Japan Airlines 787 shut down in mid-flight and could not be restarted. However, the pilot was able to land the plane safely using one engine. Describing the problem as an urgent safety issue, the FAA has given airlines until the first week in October to complete the work. Uh, in the meantime, pilots have been instructed to carry out special ice removal procedures during flights. Uh, it is the latest in a series.
series of problems encountered by the 787. Billed as the most sophisticated aircraft ever made, its maiden flight was delayed by two years. The FAA, the US Aviation Safety Regulator, said the problem, which applies to an estimated 176 Dreamliners using a particular engine produced by GE, that's the GENX, a 1B PIP. Two, uh, the uh, Boeing and GE have already begun investigating the problem before the FAA issued its airworthiness directive. According to the FAA directive, the root of the problem is due to damage being sustained because of ice shedding uh, on the fan blades, causing them to rub against uh, another part of the engine. Uh, susceptibility to heavy fan blade rubs, if not corrected, could result in engine damage and a possible in-flight non-restartable power loss of one of our or both of the engines the FAA has said the potential for common uh, cause failure of both engines in flight is an urgent safety issue the administration added I shed from the fan blades caused the uh, blades to rub against the fan case uh, resulting in engine vibration GE aviation spokesman Rick Kennedy said the company said that it hopes to avoid disruption to schedules and was working with airlines to tackle the problem estimating that the repairs would take around 16 hours to complete and apologies there for the ice cream van that just came past. <laughs> yeah, anyone want an ice house. cream? Yeah. <laughs> anyone want yeah, an ice cream? I, I, can I get a, a toasted almond bar? I think that would be good. <laughs> I don't think they'd know what that is. It they wasn't. wouldn't yeah. know what that is, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's far too sensible. You could probably do you a 99 <laughs> yeah, with, a, with a flake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but no, engine, engine problems with Boeing there. So we thought we'd put those two stories together. Yeah. And, to kind and of really, you know, up. this is an engine issue, and it's only with, there are two GE engines that the 787 uses, and it's only with one of the two GE engines, and the repair uh, indicates that if the uh, 787, and it could have one of each engines on there, if it does, uh, they don't have to actually work on it for a while yet. It's only if they have uh, both of the same engine on there, and it has mm. nothing to do with the Rolls-Royce engine that's used, and I find it to be a really interesting story because it's really very easily fixed. It's a matter of uh, shaving some metal off the interior case so that there's a little bit more space between the fan blade and the edge of the case. Yeah. It's going to affect efficiency, but it, the repair can be done without dismounting the engine. It's uh, I, I read a little bit about it through the uh, the Airplane Geek Slack team and Max Flight talking about it there, and, uh, and even uh, Captain Jeff had a couple of comments there wondering about uh, why this would cause an icing issue. And, uh, yeah, very. I find this to be a really interesting story. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. It's, as you say, it's uh, it's uh, one they need to get to the bottom of rather urgently. I still need to get on the Dreamline. I need to uh, when we book our book our flight, various flights for this year's excursions. I need to try mm. and make sure one of them's on a Dreamliner. Right. <laughs> yes. So moving on to the last story, and uh, we've left this one all for you, Micah. Yeah, because I always fly business class. Quite oh, right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's the way forward. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a business class cabin. But uh, Australian jet setters flying with Malaysia Airlines can now experience a new level of luxury with the launch of its revamped business class set uh, to delight local passengers as a national carrier continues to rebuild from the inside out. Now, you know, when I'm building an airplane, I'd rather build it from the outside in. I'd rather know the outside <laughs> is safe before I get inside. But, you know, who knows? I, I don't understand. I guess it's different down under. Yeah. Um, the new business class seat with a 43-inch seat pitch converting to a fully fully flat 76-inch bed is one of the best received business class offerings in the industry. It comes with 90% more working space 
extra storage for personal items, and the majority of seats have direct aisle access thanks to the one-two-one and one-two-two seat layout. You know, I think I've stayed in hotel rooms that were smaller than this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's a lovely space. So we popped the picture up while you were mm. while you were reading that story. I mean, it, it does look very comfortable, doesn't it? Each seat is equipped with a 16-inch touchscreen in-flight entertainment system, and every aspect of the business class cabin has been carefully designed with passenger comfort and needs in mind. Paul Simmons, the chief commercial officer of Malaysia Airlines, said the new seating is a reflection of the airline's commitment to offering the customer's customer base only the best to enhance their overall experience. Now, I think in order to do this, what they did is they took all the seats out of the cla- of the steerage class, and you're just standing up holding straps. I think that's how they did it. <laughs> oh, dear. The introduction. Should I go on? Or? Yeah, 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 carry yeah. on. Do, yeah. do, do. The introduction of the A330 business class seat will make us more competitive against other full-service carriers, and is part of our push to make Malaysia Airlines a preferred carrier to uh, to. Uh, preferred carrier to from and around the of Malaysia, Simmons said. This is the start of an exciting rollout of new, innovative, and personalized products and services that we can't wait to share with our guests. Business class passengers can also take advantage of Malaysia Airlines' award-winning satay stick appetizers served with delicious peanut sauce in flight. Oh, that sounds really good. Or the chef-on-call dining service. That sounds good, too. I think I'd much rather have a chef-on-call. Absolutely. Providing advanced meal selections from 25 options consisting of Malaysian specialties, chef specialties, and healthy choice dishes. No, nothing healthy for me. Thank no, you. absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be deep. It's got to be deep fried and covered in chocolate. <laughs> it's got to be deep fried and covered in chocolate, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the new look seats touchdown in Sydney on March 23rd, 2016, and other Australian destinations will follow suit between April to September. The A330 also flies Malaysia Airlines destinations in New Zealand, Japan, Korea, China, and India. Let's all go now. Yeah, absolutely. That oh, definitely looks. Uh, we we yeah. put the pictures up while you were doing the story, Mike, yeah. on the screen of uh, of these new seats, and that that does that looks like to be loads of room. Yeah, absolutely loads of room with these new seats. It's more room, as you say, more room than in my house. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, it does look very nice. The, the whole uh, the whole package, I think, as well, is just is just so good with Malaysian Airlines. I mean, they've had their they've had a few you know um, problems in the last few years, but. Um, yeah. You know, they're obviously they they are trying their hardest to you know to to sort of get back into yeah, the into the swing absolutely. of things as such. No, and it's good. Right. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to take a very very quick break. We will be right back after these very short messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head dot com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks Thanks for for listening. listening 
And we're back. Yes, thanks for listening, definitely. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very exciting. I'm delighted to say that live from somewhere in London, we'll find out exactly where in just a moment, it gives my great pleasure to welcome to our podcast the legend that is Pilot Pip. Hello, Pip. Good morning, everyone. How are you? We're very good, Pip. How's it all go- How's it going? How are you feeling, Pip? How are you feeling? Oh, my God. I've just been overtaken by a rhino. Right, as you do. I, I overtook him twice already. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I've, uh, I've already been round once. Oh, okay. world record. I'm just going around for a second time right, now. Right, absolutely. You're just feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just taking the sights and the sounds. No, it's going well. I'm um, at about 15 and a half miles. And actually, you've timed this rather well. You've joined me at a much quieter point in the track. I've uh, a couple of miles ago just come out of central London, heading back east towards the Docklands area. So as you can imagine, there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of people in London and music and live bands, and I wouldn't have been able to hear you at all. But uh, this section here is much quieter. Pip, we have, uh, we have questions coming in the chat room. Uh, Tony S. is asking, can you uh, talk about the centre of gravity calculations? I'm sorry? <laughs> If Tony S. wishes yes. to talk about sensitive gravity, he can bloody well get on his trainers <laughs> and come down here and catch up with me, and then we'll talk. And uh, we also have a question from Dr. Steph. Dr. Steph is asking about Delta P. Delta P. Funnily enough, actually, I just stopped barely 10 minutes ago for a Delta P, and I feel much better <laughs> having done so. Oh, it's great to hear you, Pip. It is really great to hear you. I'm so, we're so, yeah, so going, proud of you. Well. I must admit, I'm, I'm slightly more uh, knackered than I hope to be at this point, but that's okay. Uh, my knees fell off some miles ago. I have no knees anymore. <laughs> okay. So, so whereabouts in central London are you at this very, very precise moment? Whereabouts are you? Well, I wouldn't have had the foggiest idea, except that I just ran past Millwall Fire Station. Okay, right. That, that would narrow so I'm it down. I'm kind of east yeah. end of London. Heading out towards the Docklands, just coming up, I think, somewhere towards mile 16. So another 10 to go. Oh, that doesn't wow. sound so bad, does it? 10 to go. No, you've broken the back of it. That's the main thing. Is that 10 metres yeah. or miles, Pip? <laughs> yeah, miles, unfortunately. Oh. So the route from here, it goes out to Docklands, it goes round Canary Wharf, and then it turns back round and goes, uh, goes to the west. Yeah. And back into central London, across the Thames, and past all the, uh, you know, all the, the landmarks and pools. And finally, up towards Buckingham Palace and up the mall to the finish line. Wow. So obviously, you can't uh, obviously bring us a segment this week, Pip. Unfortunately, <laughs> but are there any safety uh, safety uh, concerns that you've had at all during the run? Actually, yeah, quite seriously, a real important safety fact when running a marathon is don't run a marathon. Okay, right. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, we've got to say we've got some great uh, comments coming in on the chat room here. We've Everyone, got, oh, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, Captain Jeff, the legend is Captain Jeff. He says, "For John, oh, well, Pip. hi Jeff. <laughs> For John, Pip. He's yeah, saying, absolutely. Here. Yeah, lots John, of John will do." Lots of smiley faces. Uh, uh, Steph is very, very thrilled for your update. Thank you. She's relieved that you know to finally know about the Delta P. Um, <laughs> uh, where else have we got? Uh, uh, Doctor uh, Steph has put twenty-five k split, two hours fifty-nine. Ah. 
Indeed, someone's shouting. Indeed, actually. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Jeff has commented, you don't even sound winded, which is, uh, which is very true, actually. You sound surprisingly okay. I do, I'm losing you a bit there. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I, I take it, yeah, we, we've had some snow here. I'm guessing the weather has been a bit better your way. But... You had snow? We yeah, had, we it's, have it's actually had, been yes. hailing here, yeah. Oh, good Lord. No, it was, it was raining this morning. Yeah. Uh, great joy, but uh, no, it's no, it's actually pretty warm. The sun's poking out, and it's yeah, it's quite warm. It's nice, it's nice running weather actually. It's not too bad at all. It's dry and cool. And I tell you what, the best thing here, listen, don't tell anyone else this, guys. <laughs> the best thing about running a London marathon is you get to ogle all these fantastic lycra clad oh, legs. Oh, <laughs> That's what she said. I don't said. know where to look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> i got a rough idea. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Liz, Liz Boa, Nelson, in the chat room has said, uh, is it going to be a Cat 3 approach to the finish line? <laughs> Eyes closed with little idea of what we're doing. Yeah, right. probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and our wonderful guest, uh, Micah, has just said in the chat room, he said, how's your trim? <laughs> How's my what? How's your trim? How are your trim settings? Trim. All right. It's um, yeah, kind of a bit bottom heavy, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, uh, ne- Neville's asking, are you in the pub, Pip? I think I don't think he thinks you're doing uh, a marathon at all. Yeah, I wish I was. I tell you what, I think they do it on purpose. The route seems to go past every McDonald's and Burger King in London. <laughs> I'm just coming up to the 16 mile mark. I must admit, I've, uh, I've, I've slowed down to walk to talk to you guys, which is welcome relief. No, that's fine. But I'll, I'll, I'll get back into a sprint in, at some point soon. Absolutely. Uh, uh, T- Tony S is saying that well done on reaching your target this morning, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Track the I think we're a little way past it now, so that's, that's fantastic. So thank you, everyone. All those. Uh, Tons and tons of people who donated. That's really great news. I'm really thrilled with that. Yeah, I did notice this morning, Pip. I looked at your crowdfunding uh, site, and you've you you passed the uh, the goal that you set. So well done for that, Pip. Yeah, that's really good. I'll uh, I'll have to take a closer look at that later on. But thanks yeah. to thanks to everyone, and of course, I've been recording a, a, my own podcast because I've been running along. Have you? Which is <laughs> I have. It's slightly more challenging than I thought it would have been. Yeah, I can please. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that's going to turn out, but I. Oh, I promise that was the reward for donating. That so. uh, sounds fantastic. Look, we look forward to hearing it. Yeah, days. very much so. Yeah, look forward to that. Evan, so, Evan Shoe has put, yay, Pip. In yeah, the chat absolutely. Uh, so, we've, so we've got a couple of uh, audio feedbacks that we're going to uh, play out to you now. If you want to uh, listen to them, oh, Pip. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, okay. So uh, we've got three lots of good luck wishes, and we're going to play them for you right now. Cool. Thanks, guys. Hello, this is Jenny in Rome. Just recording a quick message of encouragement for Pip on his marathon tomorrow. Uh, here today in Rome, it's, it's very wet. I hope it's going to be dry in London tomorrow. I'm absolutely full of admiration for you, Pip. Even attempting to do a marathon and all the training involved and all the rest of it. I used to be quite good at sports when I was at school. But I hated, absolutely hated running. I just hated it. We used to have to run a circuit outside the school. We'd leave the school in a line and run off down um, down beside the canal and up and down and, and back again. And me and my friends, we used to just run out of the school and more or less straight into my friend Christine's house where we'd have tea and biscuits for 40 minutes. And then when we saw the runners coming back, we'd just tail in and back into the school. That's how much we hated it. 
anyway all the very best uh, it's a really marvelous thing you're doing and good luck bye hi carlos and matt nev here here we are then it's sunday it's time for the london marathon so i'm just wishing pip all the very best uh, for his uh, effort today and uh, well what what a what a fantastic achievement it will be to uh, to finish it i must say but uh, and uh, well what a great cause he's doing it for as well that's the main thing and uh, the money that he's raised has been fantastic and uh, all the support of the aviation community as well has been fantastic so uh, hope it all goes well pip and you'll have to tell us all about it uh, when you finished Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, Carlos and Matt. It's Dr. Steph here, just calling in with some quick audio feedback per your request with some words of encouragement for Pilot Pip as he runs the London Marathon today. Pip, if you're getting to hear these messages during the marathon, I really hope that you're having a wonderful time and enjoying the heck out of the amazing experience that comes with running a large marathon such as London. You've put in all the hard work and effort, and now's the time to trust in that training and just relish the experience and take in all of the encouragement from the crowds. If you're hearing these messages after the race, then let me be the first to congratulate you on an awesome first marathon. I have no doubt that you crushed that course and turned in a stellar time, but ultimately finishing is the true accomplishment as it represents months of hard work and dedication. Again, good luck and congratulations, and I'll speak with you all again soon. And we're oh, back. Oh, wow, yeah. There we go. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jenny, Nev, Steph. That's great to hear. So we're all we are all massively rooting for you, Pip. We are absolute, mate, yeah. massively, massively rooting for you, Pip. Absolutely, yeah. No, you're you're doing really well, mate. It's uh, just such an achievement, and uh, well done. You say great cause. Well, I think what we're going to do then, my good friend, is we're going to leave you in peace. Thank you very much for taking yeah. the time during during your marathon to have a quick chat with us. Um, and, hey, my um, pleasure. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, stay safe. Stay safe, mate. Stay safe. Fly safe. And from everyone in the chat room. Take care, Pip, and good luck. Thanks, boys. I'll talk to you later on. Thanks, everyone in the chat room. Uh, we have got uh, some military news then uh, to come up next, and uh, then we're going to have a quick chat with uh, Mike before we finish the show. Um, but we are going to do the military segment uh, Right now, so if you're, if everyone, we're gonna we're gonna do three stories on the military segment yep. uh, because we're we're cutting short of time. But they are three stories that Micah has very very kindly chosen for mm. the show this week. So, uh, so yeah. uh, if you're ready, Micah, I'm all set, and uh, I'm trying to figure. Oh, I know where this is coming from. I'm getting some more audio, and it's me. It's operator error. Okay, got it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're ready, Matt, yes, I'm ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go. So the first news story this weekend, as chosen by our guest, is uh, on the Motley Fool website. Or the fool. <laughs> I like com. the sound of that. Yeah. And the uh, headline: Britain goes all in for Boeing's P8A Poseidon. Ah, cool. So uh, the uh, story then: a billion dollars worth of Chinooks, another billion dollars worth of Apaches. Everywhere you look, Boeing seems to be piling up billion-dollar contracts for military aircraft, and it's not done yet. 
the late last month, the U.S. Defense Security uh, Cooperation Agency, the Pentagon, arm responsible for coordinating sales of military equipment to our ally or to the Allies, notified Congress of an impending sale of military aircraft to the United Kingdom. And believe it or not, this one nearly is nearly twice as big as the Chinook and Apache contracts combined. According to uh, the DSCA March 24th notification to Congress, the British government has requested permission to buy nine of uh, Boeing's PAA Poseidon Maritime Patrol aircraft, plus uh, related uh, major defence equipment, uh, associated training and support, for a grand total of $3.2 billion. Uh, the goal to reconstitute a British capability to track Russian submarines in the stormy North Sea, a capability that has been missing since the Ministry of Defence retired la its uh, Nimrod's uh, uh, Hunter aircraft uh, in 2010. Uh, the, uh, if you've uh, been following the story for a long time, you know that Britain has been casting about for a new patrol aircraft for quite some time now and has recently, uh, as uh, six months ago, through the uh, Brits, they, they, which we still haven't made our minds up, which plane to buy, which is not <laughs> unlike us at all. No, no. The uh, Lockheed Martin C-130J Hercules was one option, and the Airbus uh, C-295 uh, Persuader was another option, and there was even a chance that Britain would rush uh, headlong into the 21st century and buy an MQ-4C Triton surveillance drone uh, from Northrop Grumman. Uh, each of these three options had the advantage of being a cheaper uh, than the one before it, and uh, all three of the aircraft would have been cheaper than the Poseidon. In the end, though, Britain appears to have bit the bullet and decided to buy the Cadillac of the maritime sub-hunting aircraft, <laughs> Boeing's P-8A Poseidon. Gotta love a Cadillac. So, at $3.2 billion for nine of the Poseidons, uh, Britain is paying roughly $356 million per aircraft. A very steep price, given that the uh, BGA Aeroweb puts the uh, 2015 flyaway cost of a Poseidon at just $171.6 million. On the other hand, Australia agreed to pay $3.6 billion for just eight Poseidon in, uh, Poseidons in 2014. So, by that measure, the UK is getting a bargain. It's also worth noting that uh, Boeing uh, bundling an unspecified amount of related equipment training and support into the deal, and Britain is uh, really paying an all, a sort of all-in price, i.e. the $3.2 billion isn't just paying for the aircraft and, uh, and not, nothing else. Uh, this said, uh, don't be surprised if the value deal goes much uh, higher as time goes by. Uh, the last uh, that the uh, this website here, Britain estimated its need at not nine surveillance aircraft, but 21. Uh, the number needed to be fully reconstitute the capabilities lost when it retired the Nimrods. Something we shouldn't have done anyway. No, no indeed. Uh, at the price it's seeking to pay for this uh, first batch of Poseidons, that uh, implies an eventual cost of $7.5 billion to acquire 21 aircraft. And at the 10% profit margin that Boeing earns on its military aircraft division, this implies a total eventual profit for Boeing in the region of uh, $750 million. And for Boeing shareholders, this should be a welcome news indeed. So this is uh, this is good news for definitely for the UK because, yeah. as you know, Micah, we have no maritime surveillance aircraft <laughs> at all. 
Yeah, I thought it seemed a bit silly to be retiring the Nimrod before you had something to replace it. It's kind of like what's going on here with the A-10. We're retiring that before we have something to replace it, but I better not get into A-10 stories. People no. will get angry with me. But I think it's, what's really interesting is this story came out the same week that uh, there was a big sell um, notice put out to sell Boeing saying that they're not doing very well, particularly with the 787, but also the same week that... Um, President Obama decided to visit uh, Prime Minister Cameron and probably came over and said, do we have a deal for you, David? And <laughs> yeah. uh, all of a sudden, you're buying some P8s. So yeah. who knows what's going on there? Absolutely. Yes, it landed, landed at Stansted, of course, actually, to a local airport to us, which was quite... What's quite, that? Uh, the, the Air Force One. Air Force One did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, where yeah. he flew into, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. but uh, no, yeah. That's, that's good news if we can finally get some... Mar but that's mm -hmm. what we do here in the UK, uh, Mike. You know, we, uh, we got rid of all our Harrier jump jets um, from the Navy, uh, and then we built a new aircraft carrier. As you do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cause we, yeah. We, and then we, we had nothing it. to put, on, put yeah. them on them at all. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, You've got to love the short-sightedness of the UK government. I know, it's yeah. so good. So moving on to the next story. Oh, carry on. No, carry on, Micah. No, I was just going to say, for those that aren't familiar, the uh, the P-8 is really a, uh, a 737. It's a 737-800 uh, fuselage with a 737-900 uh, wing, but yes. uh, the wing is actually a uh, uh, designed with the uh, 767 raked wingtips, and it, it's a pretty amazing aircraft. It's, it's not just quite a 737. It's... Uh, it is, it's a wonderful maritime patrol aircraft, and it took over for our uh, P-3 Orion, which was our maritime patrol aircraft Another that awesome um, aircraft. Yeah. was based on the B-29. Yeah. Uh, and what's also I found interesting is that I really didn't know until recently is that the Nimrod, which is a beautiful airplane, was based on the Comet. So we have one aircraft that's being replaced that was based on a passenger aircraft, the Comet, is being replaced by a new military aircraft based on a passenger aircraft, the 737. Wow. Yeah, no, it's good. It it is. It's uh, Ho like hopefully it. that we'll get these as soon as possible. Because yeah. as as everyone knows, we are we've had we're having lots of fun with the Russians at the moment <laughs> with uh, submarines and uh, oh, various yeah. uh, jets flying around here. Yeah, absolutely. They can't help themselves, can they? So next next story. Yes, next story, you, Matt. This is uh, on the CNN Politics website. There's some good ones here, Mike. You've done well. Yeah, absolutely. So Congress looks at restarting the F twenty two Raptor program. Uh, so CNN, this is after uh, a week after Russian military aircraft buzzed dangerously close to the U.S. Navy ships and Air Force supply planes. Congress is considering bringing back production of um, stealthy... Uh, sorry, my apologies. I pressed the wrong button there. I'm having a day like that, aren't I? I'll start again. A week after Russian <laughs> military aircraft buzzed dangerously close to U.S. Navy ships and Air Force spy planes, Congress is considering bringing back production of stealthy F-22 Raptor air-to-air -air fighter jets. Lawmakers have tackled a provision onto a defence bill that will determine how much it would cost and how, how difficult it would be to ramp up production of the Air Force's fifth-generation dogfighter. They also want to know about possible options options for exporting the F-22 F to allies currently exporting Raptors is illegal. This assessment will ensure we have a meaningful debate uh, about US air superiority, said uh, Rep Mike Turner. Uh, is it R-Ohio? Explain. R-Ohio? 
in Ohio. A Republican. Re Our oh, yes. a Republican, and he's from the state of Ohio. Right. Ah, okay. Splendid. Thank you. Yes, uh, he's the chairman of a subcommittee that's trying to add the provision. In light of growing threats from a resurgent Russia and an, and an aggressive China, further exploration into restarting the F-22 is line is very much deserved. In 2009, the defense sec the then def defense secretary Robert Gates announced that he was shutting down the program of the Raptor, saying that they were too pricey at 400. $12 million per plane, according to the Government Accountancy Office. By the time the last one went out of the door, Lockheed Martin had produced 188 out of 749 the Pentagon had originally planned to buy. It would be nice to see it. We're hoping to see these uh, at the air shows here in the UK this year, um, Micah. Fingers crossed that we'll have some here to see, and, uh, and hopefully might get to speak to some of the uh, pilots as well of these. Yeah, that, hopefully. Yeah, are you, are you, are you mm -hmm. hoping to come to Farnborough, Micah? I am hoping to. I've got uh, I've got reservations, but I'm coming anyway. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I do have reservations to uh, fly over and uh, and uh, going probably if uh, that happens, it's going to be with uh, with Brian Coleman, one of the airplane geeks uh, from yeah. California. And uh, unfortunately, we uh, are staying, I believe, in as a town, Gilston, um, Guilford. Guildford, We couldn't get reservations in Farnborough, but yep. at the Holiday Inn that we wanted to use points at, but we're still working on that and uh, <laughs> yeah. hoping to come. Still not 100% sure, but uh, plans are in the works. Excellent. Well, yeah. well so, nice to meet you, Micah, yeah, finally. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we, we'll, we'll, well, Carlos will definitely be there, and I shall yeah. hopefully be there one of the days as well. So uh, hopefully Well, I'll if you're not going to be there, Matt, I'm not coming. <laughs> That's all yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, look. <laughs> Well, I, told you, I, I am planning to be. I am planning to be, but uh, work is uh, I'm, I'm, very I'm busy. That time I'm of kidnapping year. Matt's boss the are day you? before right. are you? and okay. locking yeah. her in a room. <laughs> so the <laughs> last story. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, before we get to the next story, I wanted to comment a bit more about this of one. Course, What's yeah. interesting oh, yeah, about on. the F-22 is that uh, you know they're only 183 in service, and they shut the line down. Yeah. And they shut the line down basically for a couple of reasons. One is that because they were were not allowed to be exported, and nobody else could buy them. There weren't enough people to buy them. They couldn't make enough. They couldn't make them cheap enough to, in order to, uh, to make them worthwhile. So the line is totally shut down. But yeah. they're having so many problems trying to get the F-35 into development yeah. that they say, well, we do have an aircraft that, that we could put into production. And so they're thinking about bringing it back for that. But right now, there is nothing known or projected that can match the F-22. And it's almost a better aircraft than what was needed. And that's why they shut it down. They could get away with something a little less stealthy and uh, not quite as fast and et cetera and so on with the F-35. They just can't seem to get the F-35 together just yet. You don't think it's uh, the cost at all, dear Micah, because the, uh, the flyaway cost for the F-22 Raptor in 2009 was $150 million, uh, US dollars. It uh, certainly has a lot to do with the cost, and, and, and the F-35 is definitely cheaper uh, to produce, and that's why they decided to go with it. It was less expensive to produce, but also less formidable. Um, but because, they're again, they're having difficulty with it, um, I think that's one of the big reasons why they're talking about bringing the F-22 back. And frankly, I don't think it'll happen. I think it's a, uh, a, a political step to, uh, to, to move things around, and I can't imagine that it would be cost-effective to bring that line back up into production. No. It's a shame because it's yeah. a stunning looking aircraft when it you is. see this. It is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, last story then for you, uh, Micah, which you chose. Yeah, it's about the buff, the B 52, the hey. big, ugly, fat fellow. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I went a funny colour there for a moment. I thought Al was back on the show then. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I thought that Matt might enjoy that. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, the B-52 is, is still at work. The monster U.S. military aircraft capable of delivering devastating nuclear strikes has dropped its first bombs on the Islamic State. The B-52 Strata Fortress bomber was originally designed to unleash destruction on the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And when you think about it, the B-52, and I'm, this is off, off script here, but the B-52B, the first model to come into service, came into service in 1955. That's a year before I came into service. That's an old airplane, let me say. <laughs> and um, But now the huge eight-engine aircraft has turned its firepower on ISIS as its first bombs exploded in northern Iraq, uh, in the northern Iraq city of Mosul on Monday. Its bombing operations announced by the Pentagon on Wednesday will come as a massive boost for Iraqi and Kurdish forces who are hoping to seize back control of the city once the Islamic State's most uh, one of the most Islamic State's most secure territories. The aircraft was used to strike al-Qaeda and the Taliban during the Afghan war, and uh, it was also used during Vietnam, where it launched GPS-guided bombs and air-launched cruise missiles. Now, can you imagine that there was GPS back during the Vietnam era? We think of it as an everyday thing now, but back then, that was incredibly amazing technology. Mm. Um, well, and, it, and, it's Warren, and it's often, quite often the military, if you like, is where a lot of these innovations that we now take for granted were, were sort of developed, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's quite often the, the case, isn't it? That's where it comes from. GPS was designed for the military, and now we're using it. The internet was designed for the military, and now here we are having a podcast over it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Steve Warren, a spokesman for the U.S. coalition in Syria and Iraq, said the B-52 will allow fighters to take out ISIS targets faster and more efficiently. And he said that more authority. Uh, he said the more authorities that are delegated down, uh, the more rapidly we'll be able to respond. He also stressed that the arrival of the jet will not cause more civilian casualties on the ground. Now, th th that's an interesting statement. Won't cause more. That's you know, it's like okay, so how many do we have going now? But that's another story. Um, <laughs> It is estimated that the U.S.-led coalition has killed more than 1,000 civilians since the conflict began, according to figures from Air Wars and non-profit airstrike monitor. But it's amazing that the B-52 still has life. It's um, an yeah. unbelievable aircraft that's uh, older than I am. I say it's, I mean, look, it first flew in 1952. I mean, this aircraft is 64 years old this year. And, um, you know, although not having a massive military uh, sort of, you know, uh, knowledge of, of aircraft, but the B-52 is just one of those aircraft that I think even if you're uh, a kind of novice at, at military aviation, I think pretty much everyone knows what a B-52 is. Well, and the B-52, the H model, which is the model that's flying now, yeah. its first flight occurred back in 1960. And so it's quite possible when you think about it that there are airframes that are flying now that have been flown, and I wish I could find them, the exact same airframe, and it's quite possible to find grandfathers, fathers, and sons having flown the exact same aircraft in the, in the U.S. Air Force. And I would love to find, so I've asked about this before on different podcasts, I wish that someone would come forward, wouldn't that be an amazing interview, to talk to a grandfather, a father, and a son who have wow. all flown, not just the same type, but the exact same aircraft. aircraft yeah, amazing, yeah. there was uh, the H-series uh, that you said about, Micah, there's, uh, there's 102 of those uh, been produced, of the H-series. There were the uh, G-series, the, the, the older version, uh, built in 1961, there was 193 of those uh, mm -hmm. built. So a bit of a bit of info there Indeed, for you, but yeah. uh, no, what a fantastic aircraft! I'm I'm sure it will carry on flying for, well, for, for, for many years, many years. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So there we go. That's it for the uh, military news. Thanks to Micah for uh, for getting us those yeah, stories. stories yeah. Absolutely great fantastic, stories. Micah. Well done. Thank you for that. <laughs> 
So You're very welcome. So, Micah, then we, we, we'll uh, we're going to have a, a quick sort of chat with you, and just uh, you know, because uh, I mean, most people who listen to the Airplane Geeks and, and that will, will have heard you um, on there with your feedback and stories and that on there. And um, me myself, being a listener to the Airplane Geeks now since well, since day one, really, and uh, we've we've got to know know you as a kind of a sort of a household name and a voice, really. So. How, how did it all start with you, Micah, for the aviation kind of passion sort of thing? Well, I grew up loving airplanes. I, um, I realized uh, actually only recently that uh, I started loving I, I discovered aircraft before I discovered girls uh, and uh, <laughs> just absolutely, uh, you know, love aircraft and always have. My father was uh, in, the, uh, in the Army back in uh, World War II and was stationed in England, and then he was re-upped for Korea in the Air Force. And, um, and he was an airplane geek before there was such a term as an airplane geek, and it turned out my mother was too, although she didn't come out of her shell and let us know about it until uh, until much later on in her life but um, I've always loved uh, aircraft and always learned about them and it's always I've always been a geek one way or another and so the two just sort of matched up I suppose <laughs> no that's fantastic and uh, and how I mean it must take you ages to put together these stories because sometimes some of the feedback and stories that you you send the guys over at the geeks and that they're such interesting stories uh, Mike and obviously there a lot of them are from the heart that which, uh, which you do right and um, you know I think it just has us especially the listeners and stuff you know intrigued as to, to, to some of the things that you've done in your mm. in your time with aviation well the thing about airplanes and, and, and loving aviation in general is that it, it is uh, it's it's from the heart it's a feeling and what I like to try to do uh, in my stories when I uh, when I write stories is to relate those as feelings not just telling tales necessarily but explaining to people what it was like to feel it and hopefully allow them to feel it as well uh, the other thing I, uh, I grew up with was uh, really good uh, talk radio and good storytellers and, uh, and I, radio is another thing that I love podcasting is really radio on the internet mm. and so I want to be able to take the listener with me on a, on a, on a journey uh, and take them with me to, to hear a story. And I'm not necessarily relating, um, I, do, I guess, uh, uh, thought or story so much as trying to relate feelings and, and try to put a twist into it and also try to put in a little bit of uh, um, my crazy twisted humor at some point or another that sometimes you can hear and sometimes you can't and some people get and some people don't but uh, uh, but but that's the whole idea and the, the stories when I write them they're uh, uh, they're written with, with with inspiration as I said to to Captain Jeff a few times not perspiration I can't write on demand but uh, every so often I'll get an idea and uh, it'll just start flying and uh, the writing is wonderful I, I, when I taught writing I explained to my students writing is very very easy it's really a simple thing to do it's waiting for the writing to happen. That's the hard part. Now, Liz, Liz has just put in the chat room, actually, Micah, that uh, she loves your voice and your storytelling ability. I think we all do. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, and I, I love being able to, 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 to bring it to you. And, uh, and it's a question of putting together stories that, that are going to make sense. That can be related. I've got. Uh, two in the works right now actively. I've always got a couple going here yeah. and there, and, uh, and. Um, hoping to get uh, these two off in the next uh, few weeks. Well, if you have any spare time, Mike, do feel free to send us one yeah, over do, here. Yeah, do, <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, while, we, while we're talking about uh, podcasts, uh, uh, Liz has asked the question, have you, have, what are your favourite podcasts? What are the ones that you, you really like to listen to? 
You mean besides plain talking UK? Obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, of course. Though, Checks I mean, in the post. Yeah, absolutely. The post. Yeah, yeah. And, and a certain yeah, airline uh, pilot bes- guy, bes- you know. But <laughs> Besides plain talking UK, there are so many out there that are just so great, and you just, you know, don't have time to, to listen to them all. There are three, however, that I never, ever miss. Uh, and there are a few others that I do listen to regularly, too. But the three that I never miss are the Airplane Geeks, which is the one that started my interest in podcasts. Uh, I started uh, listening to them back in 2008. Yeah, Carlos, and, uh, Carlos they, is nodding his head there yeah. as well. He, he's, same. he's got the same story. Yeah, same, same. That's what got him into it. They, they're just an amazing group of people and, and some of the most knowledgeable uh people on aircraft that I have ever, ever met. Uh, David Vanderhoof is a walking encyclopedia. And, um, you know, he, he, I know that he prepares for the show all the time, but uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to have the pleasure of meeting him and uh, and going on a tour of the Udrahasi Center with him. And just off the top of his head, he knows more than I could possibly have even forgotten. He's unbelievable. And Mike's flight is the same with engines. And, and just everybody on that podcast is just absolutely brilliant. Um, and then uh, the other one that I never miss is the airline pilot guy, uh, Captain Jess. Jeff is an amazing podcaster, and he has surrounded himself by some other wonderful people. Uh, Dr. Steph and Miami Rick, who we miss terribly and haven't seen in so long, uh, is just um, uh, brilliant. And I love hearing about uh, uh, Delta P and would have never heard the term if it wasn't for Miami Rick. None of, and, us, uh, none of us would have done, to be fair. And, and then he recently found Captain Nick. And could you imagine that there, 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 there's somebody as wonderful as that? to be able to tell stories, who, by the way, I first heard on uh, on Marcus's podcast, uh, which is another amazing podcast. And then the third I never miss is a monthly podcast and one of the funniest, most hysterical regular podcasts that I have ever heard, and I, is Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Oh, Yay. isn't she wonderful? We interviewed her um, oh, quite a few episodes yeah. ago now, and she was an absolute, she was as, as lovely chatting to live as she, as she sounds on her podcast. Yeah, it was a definitely. real treat. She was wonderful. Yeah, I agree with you there. But the other thing I'm going to say, just in terms of listening, I grew up with a um, a radio personality and also a writer, and his name was Gene Shepard. And Gene Shepard used to do an overnight radio show on WOR in New York for years, and then he started going from 10 till midnight, and I grew up listening to him. And he would tell stories, and stories that you may be familiar with. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the film. It's an American film called A Christmas Story. And it's a story about a little boy that wants a Red Ryder BB gun, and he's going to save the day. And it's a bunch of different stories that are uh, intertwined in this Christmas story that's shown every year on over Christmas on, on, on TV here, and you can't get away with it. Those are all Gene Shepard stories. He wrote a book called... Um, number of books. These short stories are involved in this book, and they're all taken from uh, into this film called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. And, uh, <laughs> I love it. And it's just amazing stories, and, uh, and he, uh, he has audio broadcasts out. He, he passed away several years ago. I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, once, but uh, it's oh, his wow. stories that inspire me, and every time I write a story and I start recording it, I think to myself, now, how would have how would Shep have done this? And uh, and I highly recommend him. He was like the f- the father of podcasting. Uh, he he was Garrison Keeler before Garrison Keeler, and uh, and more of a, a real humorist, uh, kind of like uh, Mark Twain on the radio. David Corson in the chat room has put that uh, you should get a job for uh, for Audible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but we have got some more questions for you, and we've got one from uh, Tony S in the chat room has put. Uh, uh, for you, uh, Micah, is it Boeing or Airbus? 
Oh, well, you see, that's a really good question because one of my favorite, oh, well, uh, if you, those of you who heard the Airplane Geeks, there was a question about favorite airplane of all time, and uh, I, remember. I had to write two stories. Um, one was about all the aircraft that I love, and I do love them all. And then um, I was told, nope, got to pick one, and I picked one, and it was a B-17. And one of the reasons why I picked the B-17 is because it, Boeing, the B-17, Boeing made the B-17 back in World War II, but it's really the uh, the great-great-great-grandfather of all the aircraft that we uh, fly today commercially, including the Airbus and the uh, the 747 and the 777, and I love them all, and I'm going to fly whatever airplane is going to take me into the sky. Wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I mean, everyone everyone who listens to the podcast will know what my uh, my favorite is, but I think just being able to fly. Right, just, just, just in general. Just, not, just in general, not, not just flying fussy. is just, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Neville Bounds in the chat room, Mike, has asked, uh, have you been to the UK before uh, when your father was posted over here, for example? No, my father was posted over there. He landed in the UK on his uh, 20th birthday which would have been 1945. I'm not quite that old. <laughs> but I will say that I have been to the UK twice, both times with my mother and my father. And uh, one of my favorite, favorite memories of my father uh, was the first time we were there. My mother went off to a museum. My father and I took a walk and sat on the banks of the Thames and drank tea and then took off to the uh, in Imperial War Museum oh, uh, wow, across yeah. the way in London, and it was a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful time that we had. I'll tell you what, it's a shame we don't, uh, we don't get to sort of spend a bit more time uh, there, because I'd love to take you to the Imperial War Museum, have a better one now at Duxford, um, which is much, much better than, than the one in London, it has to be said, from personally speaking at least. But uh, another, another question in the chat room, uh, Micah, uh, this has come from Evan, says, uh, there's, room in, uh, there's room for three aircraft in your imaginary hangar, one to go <laughs> fast, one to go slow, and one to go upside down. What aircraft would you choose from those three spots? Oh, that's a horrible question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Evan. <laughs> um... I want to go fast. You know, I love flying along in a in, in a small Cessna, uh, and, and I've never been in any other small private GA aircraft, really. Uh, but uh, I've always uh, loved to fly when I when I've had the opportunity to uh, to fly in a little Cessna. One, uh, well, I've been in a 152, a 172, and a 182. Uh, I tend to prefer the the 182 because I'm a a man of larger stature and I fit into it a little bit better. So. Uh, <laughs> That's a, that, that's wonderful. I'm going to be going slow. Built for comfort, go not fast, freeze. That's that. The, built for comfort, not speed. That's my phrase. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, going fast. I, I I'm not sure. I would love to get into the uh, the back seat of a uh, of, of an F-15 Strike Eagle or or, or an F-16. Uh, that that would be wonderful. And if I'm going to go upside down, let me be in one of those too, because those pilots know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we, we, if, if if you could pick, we, we always ask this question: um, if you could pick uh, to, uh, any aircraft to fly in it, like that has ever existed, uh, and the sky, whether it was flying or not, which aircraft would you most love to be sort of flying? What, what's the dream aircraft for you? If you, if you had the chance to just sit in the flight deck of a any aircraft, any aircraft. 
Now, are you talking about being in a flight deck? Or are you talking about just flying in any aircraft? No, I mean, don't mean given the, given the chance. Yeah, given general, the chance think, to yeah. well, not well, given the chance to fly in on the, on the flight deck of any aircraft, uh, either either you know gone now or or still flying or retired. You know, if you're given the chance, you know, for me it would have to be Concorde. I'd love to go on Concorde. Yeah. We've been on Concorde on the ground, but I've never yeah. been able, you know, never had the chance to fly when it was flying, you know, on board the aircraft. But what would it be? You see, now, again, and I, I'm so difficult when it comes to answering, answering questions like this, and I apologize. No, but no, no, if no. I'm getting on an airplane because I want to go someplace, then I want to go on a Concorde. I want to be able to be on the Concorde and be in, in the UK as quickly as I can so that I can uh, get one of Gemma's sausage rolls Quite before right, they get absolutely. cold. Yeah, there are, st <laughs> there are still two left, I am I'm happy to announce. <laughs> but if I'm flying just for fun because I want to be able to be in an airplane and experience a flight, I would love to be in a Boeing Stearman. I think it would be why I flew open cockpit one time and it was a wonderful, incredible experience, something that I never thought I would ever have the opportunity to experience. And it was wonderful. And I would love to be able to do it in a Stearman biplane, which is so maneuverable and it can go low and slow or fast and high and it can do acrobatics. And I would love to have that opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, great choice, great choice. I, I, and I'm with you with that one. I think really, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy flying. So uh, the fastest way I can get from A to B is is always going to be a winner, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Matt, I have a question for you. Oh, oh, oh all right, okay, go on. Yeah, okay. I know you don't enjoy flying. I've listened to enough of Plane Talking UK to know that it's not, you know, one of the things that you really uh, enjoy. That in fact, it sometimes it, uh, it it makes you a little anxious when you're on the aircraft. Yeah. What got you involved in doing a podcast about <laughs> oh now this is this is grill that grill the smith yeah uh, absolutely uh, yeah. The, the long and the short of it is um my love of radio is the reason why i'm i'm involved in this particular project i'd i'd been in, i'd been involved in with the with the project right back in the early days when it was when it was simon and carlos uh, that were doing it and uh, uh, Simon was no longer able to participate and because I, I used to do radio and I used to do DJing and that kind of thing I just sort of basically sat in on a couple of episodes while while um, Carlos was looking for someone else and then he stopped looking for someone else basically and so I've been, I've been sat in this chair ever since but uh, as I say my involvement originally as I said always been in involved but um, it was uh, my my role was actually more technical, so I'm 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 the person who worked out how to get us live on air and and how to do sort of basically you know put put it together and get it out there. So uh, so it's actually uh, from a producer role, if you like, um, and, and I'm a rather reluctant sat in front of the microphone right now, as uh, Carlos well knows. But uh, yes, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Well, then you know. Spot. I was going to say, if I come over to Farnborough, Matt, then, then there definitely is going to be trouble because, you know, you get uh, people that kind of like airplanes together and it's always scary, but you get two radio people together oh, and it's oh, even you have more no idea. You have no idea how much I can't wait for that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. I love it. I, I am. I mean, for, for me, as I say, broadcasting and, and radio, and I've been obsessed with radio since I was since I was like four or five years old. And I used to record songs off the radio and then like record myself introducing the records and, and things like that. I mean, I, I'm a, I've always wanted to be on the radio uh, and I've done a little bit of sort of what I call um, university radio in my time but uh, yeah this is a way of um, no no Tony no more questions for Matt please uh, <laughs> and you know it'll even be more frightening because uh, if you do get there I have a feel I've heard that Neville's going to be there and he's a radio guy too oh, no, so I there's going to be nothing I can't but wait, I can't wait I, I, I would so love to go with Neville and do what he does for the day because it is just it, for, in the world of Matt it is what I like to refer to as heaven 
um, what, what he does is oh, I just can't I just can't I, I love it I love anything media or broadcasting anyway enough about me we're supposed to be talking to the guest I know I know I know <laughs> I know so so, uh, so, so, Mike. Obviously, um, we, we've you know we've, we've sort of covered that about how you got interested in or the aviation kind of past sort of thing. But um, how did you sort of get in touch? Obviously, you've been listening to the geeks and stuff. But you know, sort of how did it first get you know start with the geeks? Was it just sort of kind of feedback that you sent into those guys, and then it it, it kind of stemmed from there? Or um, it's um, kind of interesting. I'm up here in Portland, Maine, and that's, you know, the northeast coast of the U.S. At one point, uh, there was just north of me a naval air station, the Brunswick Naval Air Station, that was closed down by the uh, government. And when it closed down, they were trying to put in, bring in all sorts of business. And one of the businesses they talked about bringing in was Alan Clapmeyer's aircraft company, Kestrel, which we haven't heard very much about, general aircraft company, haven't heard much about recently. But they talked about that on the geeks. And I had a couple of questions about that. So I sent an email to um, to the geeks about uh, the Kestrel and mentioned that uh, I had listened to the geeks pretty regularly in the car with uh, with my mother, who was 70 years old at the time. And uh, Rob Mark, uh, in his usual way, made a wonderful joke about, yeah, that's just what we want, a 70-year-old uh, listener. We want more of those listening. And, and it was it was a lighthearted joke, and it was fun. And I, I wrote a, an email back uh, uh, jokingly taking offense to that, and, uh, and they got uh, uh, invited my mother to be on the show. And my mother was on the Airplane Geek show before I was. Oh, I can wow. remember. I can still remember that, Micah. I still remember. Fantastic. And uh, they were wonderful. They, they became friends with, uh, with my mother, Harriet. And, uh, and they, she listened to them regularly as uh, she was going through her, uh, her uh, bout with cancer and chemotherapy. And for a while, they were even saying uh, every time they would sign off, they, the sign-off would be from everyone around, even down under, uh, good night, Harriet, which was just absolutely wonderful. Okay. And, uh, How lovely. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, and I just became friends uh, setting things up that way and then uh, uh, sent in a couple of stories. I think the first story was about uh, my first flight flying with uh, my grandfather um, when uh, I took my first airplane ride ever. I was 13 years old. He was 73. At the time, I didn't realize it was his first flight ever, too. Um, and uh, and it was a uh, wonderful experience that I can absolutely and totally vividly picture in my mind to this day. And uh, continued to write a few stories here and there and sent them in. And uh, and for whatever reason, uh, they decided to uh, play them here every now and then. So uh, it's developed into a, a wonderful uh, friendship. And uh, and I'm their main man and uh, and a regular correspondent now. And they've been uh, very very good to me. And I uh, can't thank them enough. Wow. So you say you've got a few. Uh, you've got a few sort of stories lined up ready for them uh micah is there any kind of uh, hints as to what those stories are about that Ooh. are going to be on the show um well let me see it, it, and it depends on if and when uh the, the geeks choose to play them you know they have a very very tight show max is an amazing producer and he keeps it so tight and so well together that you know he he, he wants to keep it down to a certain time and 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 and, and, and he does it and does it does a great job at it i, I he is so timing? skilled what, when it comes what to the heck editing is and timing? putting that together we, we don't do timings here we just go on and touch <laughs> well you know there are different styles of of, of podcasting and that's oh, yeah. what's so amazing about podcasting yeah. is that there are some podcastings that are are very very strict and tight and 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 put it together and it's a regular show and then there are others that are a little more loosely based and then there's like you know the airline pilot guy that could go on for days you know so you just got to be careful <laughs> 
Jeez, how rude! <laughs> Actually, Jeff Jeff was in the in the chat room earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, yeah. I think he had to to uh, to, to go, but yeah. uh, so anyway, it is. I'm afraid, time, ladies and gentlemen, to start wrapping things up. But Thank you. oh, hello, but, hello, but but we are before we go, we are going to give pilot pip we just are. one just last call we are we just okay. see how he's getting on yeah absolutely so uh uh let's let's try that right now Aha. hello Hi guys hello, hello. Ah, welcome pip back onto the show <laughs> are we live again we, we are, are live yes, yeah, we yeah. are live 100 percent live yeah family show please wasn't um, wasn't one of the regular listeners is it Stuart or someone was an ambulance driver I don't know. What, are you requesting an ambulance, sir? Uh, yeah, if you could, if she's in the chat room, yeah. would you mind awfully? I think, I think you mean my, my friend, my friend Stuart Services, and perhaps you're getting confused with that. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, but, but he would, Ooh. he would, however, have very easy access to oxygen, uh, which is something you <laughs> oh, need. That's good. That's good. So, Pip, give us yeah. an up, give us a Pip update. How are things currently going? Well, I'm at the point in the marathon, which I believe is called The Wall. Oh. oh. It's pretty hard work. I've just passed 20 miles. There's only six to go. Heading back into central London now. But uh, I don't mind admitting, I'm feeling it now. My legs hurt incredibly. Oh. I had to stop a, a little while ago to uh, stretch out. They were cramping up. But I'm still moving. I'm still moving. Yay. Oh, wow. Hang in there, Pip. Not Jennifer's put. Yeah, not as fast as I was. We're getting there. Yeah, Jennifer in the <laughs> Jennifer in the chat room has put hang on there, Pip, you can do it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I won't be breaking any any world records today. No, you've uh, you you've you've definitely uh, you've definitely broken a record for us anyway. Cool, being, yeah. the, being the most fantastic. We're all really thrilled uh, for you, Pip. Oh yeah, yeah. Super. Can yeah. you can you hear you Mike? Have okay. a good show today. We'll let we'll let Mike answer that one. We, I, this is Micah, Pip, and we're all really thrilled for you, and the show has been great, and uh, it's just horrible being here having to follow you because your show last week was incredible, and your show this week is even better. Oh, hey, Micah. I didn't realize you were on. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> all right, okay. So, uh, so how, far, how far have you got left to go then, um, Pip? Uh, so just under six miles. Oh, wow. God, you've done really well. 20, about six to go. So, yeah, like I said, it's hurting a little bit now. So, have you have you made many friends on your uh, on your trip around the London Marathon, uh, Pip? Yeah, well, especially I seem to be in a bit of a race with that rhino. We can overtake <laughs> him, then half an hour later he overtakes me. <laughs> I'm not sure where he is at the moment. He's in front of me somewhere. <laughs> oh dear. Oh well. Well, well look. Well, as Actually, I say, I'm just out. Uh, I'm just out by London City. There's a BA146 that's just uh, gone overhead. Don't so oh. hear it in the background. <laughs> always a pilot, always a pilot. Oh, dear. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> There's all sorts of talk in the chat room saying that we wish that we were there at the end to be able to hand you a few pints. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> ah. Oh. I'm struggling to talk. No, okay, all right. Well, look, look mate. We're going to let you get on, We're going to let you. Thank you. As I say, from all of us here, as I say, there's loads of people in the chat room who are all saying very, very lovely things uh, about you. As I say, keep pushing on. We're all very proud of you, Pip, and uh, we'll be in touch with you soon. Take care, mate. Take love care, yourself. Pip. Much love to you, Pip. Take bye, care. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. So there we have it. Our last uh, call then to Pilot Pip on his, uh, on his marathon event. So... Uh, 
yeah, hopefully we'll see some uh, pictures that uh, Pip will probably take when the uh, when he crosses the finish line. It'll be quite good, wouldn't it, yeah. to see? Okay, then, that is where we're going to wrap up uh, episode 109 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. We're just going to say a massive, massive thank you to the main man, that is Micah, for joining us today. Yeah, so, thank uh, you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, Micah, and taking, the, uh, taking most of your morning up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great, great, great pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Cool. So um, from us here in uh, what, what I call PTUK Towers, uh, it is time to say uh, thanks very much for listening as always. We'll be back next Saturday uh, at 10am. That's our usual time yeah, when we're recording Saturday. live. Uh, so it'll be next Saturday, 10am. So from the main man, Micah, it is a big goodbye. Let's switch over to... There we go, Micah. From you, it's goodbye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And from all of us here in PT UK Towers, it is it Bye. is a very excitable goodbye. <laughs>